Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, It's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Cross wires which is taking place in some really amazing venues across sheffield from the 31st of may to the 2nd of june so other podcasters that you'll be able to see include katie price Catherine ryan romash ranganathan and the original adam buxton but there's also a whole host of free fringe events family shows surprise acts and after parties that jane and i haven't yet been invited to I'm sure it's only a matter of time head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information 10, the big news stories of the day, explained and analysed by the Times of London. Today with Stuart Willey and Rebecca Myers. As the quest to end the war in Gaza goes on, some Israelis opposed to a ceasefire are blocking food aid. Our correspondent helps us understand why. America's top diplomat has continued his tour of the Middle East today. Antony Blinken meeting with leaders of Egypt, Qatar and Israel. He's spending 48 hours to try and secure a ceasefire, even as Israel continues to pummel Gaza. Today, the city of Han Yunus coming under intense fire. While all sides continue to contemplate the proposal to end the war in Gaza, one group of Israelis are fiercely opposed to it. Here you can hear Israeli settlers who have been protesting at a border crossing into Gaza. Hundreds of protesters storming the crossing, trying to block humanitarian aid from getting to Palestinians in Gaza. Some chant about aiding the enemy. Many support the far-right politicians that some of Israel's Western allies have become frustrated with. The US has imposed sanctions on some settlers. Local media say others are family members of Israeli soldiers or of hostages. The protests continue and there have been dramatic scenes as people risk their lives to stop trucks filled with food passing through. We heard from the Times correspondent George Grills, who's in southern Israel. Today we've been in Kerem Shalom, which is on the border between Israel and Egypt and Gaza. It's the main point through which humanitarian convoys carrying food, water into Gaza have been going through, but it's also been where extremist Israelis have been protesting against the supply of aid into Gaza. And what these protests really show, I mean, they're not just happening there, they're also happening at the port of Ashdod, where, which is an Israeli port through which a lot of the humanitarian aid is arriving. What, what, what these protests show is that Benjamin Netanyahu, as he contemplates a ceasefire deal with Hamas, 
he is under pressure from the extreme right within Israel not to cede any ground and indeed to be more hardline than he's currently being. They're protesting against the sort of meagre supplies of aid that are going to into Gaza as it is. So even as there is international pressure from the US and the UK, among many others, for for Israel to sort of hold itself back, to, to stop pursuing the war, Netanyahu domestically is under political pressure, one might say, in the other direction. The IDF has declared the area a closed military zone, but police still seem unable to prevent protesters from storming the perimeter and blocking trucks. Yesterday in the office we were putting the finishing touches to the world in 10 when we heard whispers that a statement was being prepared by Buckingham Palace. Not long afterwards we had that statement which confirmed that King Charles has cancer. One of the articles on this story on the Times website rounds up how the rest of the world reacted to it. The Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, for example, was one of those sending his message of support. Today the thoughts of all Australians are with King Charles and his family. Uh, We wish him very much a speedy recovery. Uh, I will be sending a message to the palace this morning and we hope uh, that uh, King Charles has a speedy recovery and a return uh, to his duties as soon as possible. Now, though, a lot of the focus is on Prince Harry. He's arrived here in London, having taken a flight from LA. The King and the Prince met this afternoon. And as we know, Harry has had a troubled relationship with his family over the last few years. But a lot of people are wondering if this diagnosis and Harry flying over could help to end the rift. Someone who's seen these royal relationships firsthand is Grant Harold. He was a butler in the royal household when Charles was the Prince of Wales. And he thinks Harry and his brother William may have extra incentive now to make up. When there's any kind of royal family crisis, obviously, for example, when we lost the late Queen and we saw um, the brothers together again, you know, there's going to be occasions when they get together and that is going to provide an opportunity for them to talk. I have no doubt, contrary to what a lot of people think, I think they do talk. I think they are in communication. I'm aware of how close the two, the two of them were. And I know a lot of people say about this fallout. And of course there's a fallout. I don't disagree with it. But, you know, families have fallouts and yet they still speak. So you can guarantee they, they will still be communicating. But the good thing about well, the positive of this is it will bring them together. And hopefully uh, they will want to resolve this, which will help the father because there's, there's nothing worse than stress obviously with health. So I think they might be doing everything to maybe try to resolve this this problem that's been going on for a couple of years now. And that's an interesting point, isn't it? Whether the brothers will want to give their father a reason to be cheerful at this time, particularly as King Charles said to them a couple of years ago, please boys, don't make my final years a misery. are not a regular feature on this podcast, but the woman who won Miss Japan has faced a storm of news coverage since she was crowned. And the story has taken a new twist today. The Times Asia editor Richard Lloyd Parry is with us from Tokyo. Richard, tell us about the now former Miss Japan. Yes, well, Carolina Shino, who's 26, uh, won the Miss Japan competition two weeks ago. And what was notable about that was that she's the first person to win that competition and it's been going for 54 years who has no 
Japanese ancestry at all. She was born in Ukraine to Ukrainian parents. She moved to Japan when she was five years old and has lived in Japan ever since. She speaks and writes fluent Japanese, but she doesn't look Japanese. She's a tall white woman, a, a Caucasian. So when, the, when it was awarded to her, it caused a certain amount of kerfuffle on, on social media, as you can imagine. Now, some people said, well, this isn't right. This should be an award for uh, you know, classical Japanese beauty, and she looks different. Then, a few days ago, a Japanese weekly magazine, which has a record of uncovering scandals, reported that she had had an affair with a married doctor and at first uh, she said oh well I didn't know he was married and then she admitted she had and today she has resigned not only her title but also resigned from her, her modeling agency so it seems that her you know her career for now is suspended if not over. So what prompted the social media kerfuffle over this? You know, Japan is not a multiracial society. That's one of the very striking things about it. There isn't large-scale immigration. There aren't large immigrant communities. So I think it's a, a byproduct of that. I mean, one thing I think is notable in this, this latest twist is that it reveals something about double standards, to put it very mildly, as applied to people who have affairs when married. So... It's quite common, this is not the only example of a case when a woman who has an affair with a married man is subject to much greater censure than the adulterous husband. Richard, thank you very much. Team Red Bull is one of the most successful in the sport, and team boss Christian Horner is one of the most high-profile figures. But now the Times has reported a complaint of inappropriate behaviour against him, and it could put his future in doubt. With us on The World in 10 is motor racing correspondent Rebecca Clancy. Rebecca, talk us through what's been going on. Allegations emerged over the weekend. The team at the time denied it, absolutely flat-out denied it. And then on Monday, we had a statement from the parent company which did confirm that Christian Horner was under investigation, an external investigation for inappropriate behaviour towards a female colleague. As you might imagine, this has absolutely stunned the F1 world. Christian Horner himself has denied the allegations and has uh, hired lawyers to fight back. At the moment, we are just uh, waiting for this investigation to unfold. The F1 world creates some big stars. Tell us about Christian Horner. I'm sure lots of people might possibly know him from the Netflix Drive to Survive documentary. He's obviously married to a Spice Girl. He married Jerry Horner. So he is incredibly famous, far beyond just his F1 connections. Horner is absolutely crucial to Red Bull Racing. He has been at the helm since 2005. He has enjoyed enormous success winning both championships, the drivers and the constructors, between 2010 and 2013. And these allegations are what well, could be, depending on the outcome of the investigation, very damning for him and could see to him leaving the role. Rebecca Clancy, thank you very much. And Rebecca Myers, thank you too. <laughs> thank you. And thanks for taking 10 minutes to stay on top of the world with the help of the Times of London. See you tomorrow. 